Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. We've on a series called Living in Liberty, and we've been on this for a few weeks now. Today's the final installment, so if you've been wanting it to be over, today's your day. It's the last time. But no, I hope you've enjoyed this. I've got so much out of it myself, and God's been speaking to me. Today, I'm going to continue the progression of liberty. So we've been kind of naming each week, giving its own little segment title, and last week we did the progression of liberty, so we're going to continue that. If you got your Bibles, you can get those out. Sermon notes are available for you in your worship guide or on your YouVersion Bible app. You can get them there in the events section. If you're watching online, our uh, sermon notes will be available there on the website as well, so you can join in with us. Here at the Rhodes Church, we get excited every time we open the Bible because we believe that God wants to speak to us, that he has something to say. So we get a little bit of hyped when we open up God's Word because it is life to those who find it and health to all their flesh. So if you got your Bibles this morning, come on, let's get excited. Mount Carmel, E-Rhodes family, Norris City, Get them out. Let's open them to Galatians chapter 5. Woo! Galatians chapter 5. <laughs> we can woo every time. Galatians chapter 5. Are you ready? Starting verse 1. It says, stand fast. Everybody say, stand fast. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free. And do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now jump down to verse 13. For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. We've been called to this. Called to live like this. Live in liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. It's all fulfilled in this. All right? What is that? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Sum it all up. One phrase, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, is that going on anywhere in our society today? If you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. I want to pray. Father, I just thank you for the reading of your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you come. Bring life to it, bring clarity to it, Lord, both in the communication and in the understanding. I pray that we will see what you want us to see today. I just bind every lie of the enemy that would try and steal, kill, and destroy what you want to do in our life. And we receive that life and that life more abundantly that you have for us, God. Take over right now, God. We give you freedom. We thank you for the liberty that you've given us in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. 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 Living in liberty. We began talking about the progression of liberty, and we talked about this progression in three phases. One was define liberty, two was declare liberty, number three was defend liberty. Last week we got into the first two and we didn't get into the third one, so I'm going to emphasize defending liberty today, but just quickly want to go back over the first two. When we talk about defining liberty, what does that mean? We talked about redefining liberty. That it, liberty is not doing what we want to do when we want to do it. That's not freedom. That's not true God-given liberty. Liberty is independence through dependence. We're independent. We're experienced liberty because we're dependent on Jesus. 
And then we talked about how the word independence means not subject to the control by others. And we said that I experience liberty only to the extent that I'm connected to the liberator. The, the only way I'm going to experience true liberty in my life is if I'm connected to the liberator who is Jesus. Got to be careful. People are promising liberty in a lot of different scenarios, this way, that way, saying, follow me, I can promise, I can give you liberty. No, the only way we're truly going to have liberty is through Jesus. Can I get a little more agreement this morning? Do you agree that? <laughs> liberty is found in Jesus, so we define it. Where do we get liberty? In Jesus. Anything outside of Jesus is not liberty. I don't care what they say. I don't care what they promise. Outside of a relationship with Jesus, there is no liberty. Just defining that for us. Then we talked about declaring liberty, and we use Romans 10.10. 10, says, for with a heart one believes unto righteousness, with a mouth confession is made unto salvation. We talked about how the heart has a function. We believe. And then we confess with our mouth. So we believe what God says. We believe his word. And then we confess it unto, towards, in the direction of salvation. In other words, our heart, we have to believe it first. We get it in our heart. And then we begin to speak according to what we believe. So we believe, therefore we speak, the Bible says. So we're talking about that in the, in the essence of declaring something ahead of time. So we believe and we declare before we necessarily experience it yet. So I believe in liberty, I declare liberty before I may be seeing liberty. I may not be experiencing all the liberty that I'm supposed to experience, but I believe it and I confess it until I see it. Let me give you an example, a little story maybe you're familiar with about David and Goliath. So Goliath and David come on the battlefield and, and Goliath comes and he starts talking smack to David. And he says, hey, you come, you come to me, will you give me dogs, this little boy? You come against me? He tells David, he says, I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field. How I many knows the enemy is going to declare some things into our life? He's talking a lot of smack right now in the world. Talking trash about this and that, saying, I'm going to do this. The enemy's always going to declare something to you. But the key part for us is we have to learn to declare back. David's standing there on the battlefield and he doesn't go, oh God, I sure wish that Goliath would stop declaring these things over me or speaking these to me so I would feel better about myself. I wish he would stop saying those mean, hurtful things so I wouldn't feel this way. He's, this is what he said. <laughs> I'm going, you're, you said you're going to feed my flesh to the birds of the air and the wild beasts. Feed. David said, okay, I tell you what's going to happen. You say you're going to feed my flesh. <laughs> no, you listen to me. I'm going to cut off your head. And then I'm going to feed your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And then all your homies back there, I'm going to feed them their flesh to the birds of the air too. Come at me with your trash talk, going to kill me. I'm going to kill you and all your friends. Now, now, now listen, now, now some people, religious world will say that was just prideful. He should be saying, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know whether you're going to beat me or I'm going to beat you or just whatever the Lord wants to do. He declared what he believed. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. So he said, I believe in my heart that he that's with me is greater than he that's with you. I see all your Philistine boys, but do you see the angels of fire behind me that's on my side? 
Just like Elijah, Elijah the prophet said to his servant, said, Lord, open his eyes that he can see the chariots of fire. We got to see in our world that when Christ be for us, who can be against us? The coronavirus may come like a Goliath and talking smack to us, but we got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords on our side. Who are you in comparison to Jesus? That's not today's message, but you can just take that home for free. Declare. We got to declare. We got to declare. So we define it and we got to declare it. Here's today's. We're going to talk about defending liberty. Defending liberty. Everybody say defend. When I talk about defending liberty, 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 liberty mutual. <laughs> Line liberty. <laughs> Sorry, no sports on TV. I'm just watching a lot of commercials. Liberty, liberty. Defending liberty. <laughs> okay, move on, Chad. So the progression of liberty. Look what it says in, in verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, stand fast. Therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us, has made us, past tense, stand fast. That word stand fast means to stand firm, to persevere, to be constant, hold one's ground, maintain a position, hold ground, maintain a position. Notice what it's saying. We're defending something. We're not trying to possess something. Big difference. Stand fast in the liberty, in the freedom by which Christ has made us free. I'm standing in that. I'm holding my ground, maintaining my position. What position am I maintaining? My position of liberty. My position of freedom. When am I going to get it? Whenever Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, it's already been made, uh, provided for me. Whew. So he says, stand fast in that. So now, the liberty that we define and declare must be defended. So I'm not trying to gain ground. The word defend means to take action against an attack or a challenge. So we're talking about defending liberty. It's to take action against an attack or a challenge. So defending liberty is that I have something, someone's trying to take it. I already have it. I'm not fighting to get it. I'm fighting to defend it. So we talk about defending liberty, what Jesus has given us. Defending something that's already yours is different than trying to fight to possess something that you don't have yet. There's a big difference in between the two things that we got to understand. There's like, if you put me uh, um, in a foreign country, drop me on the ground, and you say, hey, Chad, we're going to go in, we're going to take this ground... Uh, it's going to be a different mentality for me in that foreign country in a land I don't know and try and take this ground because someone told me to do it versus in my house, someone trying to come against my house and I'm going to defend my home. Different mentality. This belongs to me. I'm going to defend it. It's the difference in a, an army trying to go and take another country versus a country defending its own country. You understand what I'm talking about? It's a different mindset. We're defending something. So we got to get in our mind when we're talking about defending liberty. We're not trying to gain something. We're defending what we already have. We're standing fast. We're digging in our heels and saying, no, it's mine. You can't take it. It belongs to me. Jesus died to give me this. So I don't have to fight to get anything. I'm just defending something that's already mine. It's a different mindset in prayer. So we understand defending liberty in prayer is saying, listen, Jesus, thank you that that belongs to me. I'm going to defend my joy. I'm not asking God to give me joy. 
The other night, I can't remember what night it was, Wednesday night. I think it was Wednesday night. Yeah, yeah, it was Wednesday night. 2.30 in the morning, Lucas comes into the bedroom just gasping for air, wheezing in a way that, I mean, he could not breathe. Starts screaming, telling me, Daddy, I can't breathe, Dad. I can't breathe. So I pick him up and begin to pray. Begin to pray over him. And in my prayer, thankfully, because God's word has been put in my heart and I know what belongs to me, I begin to pray for him, not that God would do something, but in a defense mode of what's coming against him. It's a different mindset that I can focus in on that because of the grace of God and the power of God. I can say, wait a minute. I'm not saying, God, do something. God, do something. I'm saying, you, get off my son in Jesus' name. It's a totally different mindset. When we're defending liberty, we're understanding what we have in Christ already provided for us. And we say, no devil in hell will come and steal what Jesus died to give me. And again, I understand it's easier said than done in times and understand the practical implications. I'm dealing with it for an hour straight, praying, believing God. So I understand there's challenges in that, but I'm, ch- I'm just laying down the foundation work for us on how we defend what God has already given us. We're not fighting to get something. We're just defending what he's already given us. Take, it's a, it's a, the Bible speaks about the Christian life using military terms. So it's part of our, our warfare. Second Corinthians, I give you some of those there in your notes. We do not war according to the flesh. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. Philemon 1, 2, you are, he talks about Archippus, a fellow soldier. Second Timothy 2 says you must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Talks about warfare. Talks about listing as a soldier. First Timothy 6, fight the good fight of faith. But here is what I understand. I want you to understand. Warfare and fighting in the kingdom of God is not fighting to get something. It's fighting to defend something. Because if you think it's about fighting to get something, then you'll think that Jesus did not do it yet. He has not provided it yet. And you think my prayers, my faith is enough to get it done. I'm just defending what the blood of Jesus has already made available to me. By grace, it's been given to me. Not because Chad pumped up his faith enough to get God to do it. Jesus died for me because he loves me. And by grace, he made it available. Now I have to apply what's been made available. Defend it. Defending liberty. Does that make sense? Makes sense? Okay, so when we talk about the progression of liberty, it's about defending what's already been defined and declared. Now, when I say progression of liberty, it's not the perfection of liberty. Progression of liberty, not the perfection of liberty. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the progression of availability. I'm talking about the progression of application. Here's what I mean the difference. There is no progression into what Jesus has provided for you. It's done. It's over. It is finished. We just sang about it. He has won. It's over. It's finished. The devil's already been defeated. It's over. So what do we do? We reinforce the victory. We defend the victory. So this is what we're talking about. We're applying the blood of Jesus. We're applying the victory. We're applying the word saying, listen, we're reminding the devil of his defeat. We're not trying to win the battle over him. We're not trying to defeat him. He's already been defeated. There's a progression of liberty. So it's a progression of application. Now, am I applying all of the victory that Jesus died to give me? No, I wish I did all the time. So it's a progression of application, not a progression of availability. So I understand it's always all available to me, even if I'm not applying it all the time. Make the difference. 
So I know it's available to me. I'm just not applying it yet. Why? When I give in and I yield to lies, I yield, into, I yield to my fears or my insecurities, then I get into a place that Jesus does not. I'm not walking in liberty. Liberty is available, but I have to stop believing the lie and I have to start believing the truth because the truth that I know will make me free. It will make me apply what is already available. It doesn't get God to do something that's not already been done. It gets me to agree with what's already been done so that I can apply the freedom that Jesus died to give me. Come on, somebody get excited this morning. It's, been a, it's already been made available, but I got to agree with it. And when I, when I screw up is when I don't see it and I don't agree. So I, let me don't stay a whole lot of time there, but progression of liberty, progression. Let me give you an example of the Declaration of Independence. The Declaration of Independence, the defining and the declaring of liberty happened on July 4th, 1776. They defined it. They declared it. We are free from you, Britain. We're no longer going to be your servants. We're our own people. We're independent. They defined it and they declared it. But then they had to defend what they declared. And it took them till uh, September 3rd of 1783 before the Treaty of Paris, before it was officially independent. Seven years after they declared something, they had to defend that. So here's what I'm encouraging you. Don't be discouraged that every time you go to declare something, you define the freedom that God has for in your life, and you say, okay, I'm going to believe what God says, and I declare I am free today. Don't be shocked when you have to defend what you just declared. Because whenever we, whenever we declare the word of the Lord, whenever we declare our liberty, the enemy will come to test us. He will come to test whether what we're declaring is in our heart or just in our mouth. Because when I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, that faith is released and he has to bow to that. If it's just some Christianese that I've heard somebody else say and I'm just saying words and I really don't believe it, then that word will be tested and I will not see the success that God has for me. Liberty, liberty has to be defended. So the Declaration of Independence, the principles were defined and declared. They had to be defended. Here's some of the principles that were declared. Just giving you an example of the progression of liberty in history. Uh, the statement here in the Declaration of Independence that said, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. All men are created equal. All men are created equal. It doesn't say all men were treated equal. It says all men are created equal. That they were endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Endowed by who? Endowed by their creator. Didn't say endowed by a political party. Said endowed by their creator. I'm trusting you're getting it. Endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Didn't matter who's in office. Our creator gave us these rights. That among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now just because there wasn't complete, all-inclusive application of these truths does not make the declaration any less true. Just because this statement of all men are created equal, doesn't, just because there wasn't all-inclusive belief in that statement doesn't make that statement any less true. In other words, the moment I declare something, there may not be all-inclusive evidence to support what I just declared, but what I declared can still be true if I don't see it here. Am I, am I translating? 
They said all men are created equal, but were all people treated equal at the signing of that document? No, but God was starting something. He was releasing a truth into the society to change the perspective of what was happening around the world. People want to use examples of lack of application to undermine the validity of a truth. And they'll say, if everyone's not experiencing, or if any one person's not experiencing it, then there is no progress. That is not true. Just because everyone's not experiencing it doesn't mean it's not available. Just because everyone's not experiencing it doesn't mean that there's not progress being made. God was saying in the start of this, he said, there's going to be a progression of liberty. And the ones who grab it, it's going to be the ones who, who believe it by faith and receive it. They can experience it right away. The ideal was established in that document. The ideal. All men are created equal. The ideal. That wasn't what was experienced. It's like the Ten Commandments. God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. The ideal was laid out in the Ten Commandments. Now, do we all obey the Ten Commandments all the time? The ideal was there. Now we have to defend the ideal. The ideal was submitted that all men were created equal. So now that has to be defended. That had to be defended in the colonies. It had to be defended around the world. Slavery was a worldwide problem, not just an American problem. It's important for us to understand something. Progression of liberty in this is to say slavery was happening on every continent around the world at the time of this document. What God was doing was saying, I want things to change and I want them to start right here. I want to start right here. There are people that are still experiencing slavery right now. In India, they still have slaves. There are women and girls that are experiencing slavery right now in the sex industry going on. It's still happening in the world right now. Right now. God's saying slavery is evil. It is not of me. I want it abolished for every race, for every gender. I want slavery gone. Yes. So he began to declare something right here through the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. Let that truth be known and let it be applied. Now, was it applied right away? No, it wasn't. Unfortunately, it's still not applied in some areas of the world. But it was started it inspired Vermont to abolish slavery in its state constitution in 1777. By 1804, all the northern states had voted to abolish the institution of slavery. By 1804, all the northern states said no more slavery. From a world, from a world where slavery was happening on every continent, now we got a new group of people saying no more slavery where we live. Then we got the that, that had to be even spread amongst the Native Americans. A lot of people don't understand that Native American nations, some of them were very pro-slavery. Tia Miles of Harvard University, a professor, documented that the, the civilized tribes, Cherokee, Chickasaw, Choctaw, Creek, and Seminole, Seminole were deeply committed to slavery. They crushed slave rebellions and enthusiastically sided with the Confederacy in the Civil War. Miles placed the number of enslaved people held by the Cherokees, Creeks, Choctaws, and Chickasaws around 5,000 slaves at the turn of the 19th century. Slavery had to be driven out even amongst the Native Americans. It had to be driven out. It's a mentality that has to be driven out no matter what your race is, no matter where you're from. He's trying to get slavery, a mindset out of people's minds. There were black slaveholders in the South. In South Carolina, 171 black slaveholders in South Carolina. One of them, by the name of William Ellison, was a wealthy plantation owner, owned 63 black slaves, making him the largest black slaveholder in South Carolina. When the Civil War broke out, William became a very devout supporter of the Confederacy. 
trying to get progression of liberty to let people go free, no matter their race, no matter their creed, no matter their gender. He's saying, I want liberty. I want a progression of it. Civil War ended in April 1865, but all the blacks were not released from slavery until we celebrated recently June 19th of 1865, the Juneteenth that we celebrate. I'm telling you, there's progression of liberty. We still need to keep fighting for freedom. We still need to keep fighting for equality. We still need to keep defending the truth that all men are created equal. That's what God's saying to us. Now, when I talk about some of these issues, some people get upset. I hear this, Christians shouldn't be talking about politics and social issues. And I think, if Christians aren't supposed to talk about politics and social issues, then where are we supposed to talk about politics and social issues? Because if people aren't hearing about it from a biblical standpoint, if they're not hearing about it in church, then they're going to be subjected to just their news feed on social media as telling them this is the truth, and people are just forwarding and sharing things and images that are just being passed on to them and not doing any research, not looking into it, not getting a biblical basis for it. And we have to give people the God side of what social justice looks like. Everyone believes, you know, has their basis of belief, and in their basis of belief system, it's based on their worldview. And here's what's happened. The church has bought into the fact that a Christian should not be giving their, their position on social issues. They should be limited to just talking about church things. My concern is what we're seeing in the world, and I'm, I'm leaning into it. God's speaking to me about another end time series that I'm going to be starting. And here's what I'm concerned with. I'm concerned with the church that has no bearing or barometer of what's going on around them because all they're doing is focusing on news feeds and they're not focusing on the prophecy of the Bible so that we can walk in victory and authority. That Christians shouldn't be hiding and being intimidated and, and backing up and saying, well, we better just be quiet. No, you should be standing up because you serve Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. He is coming back. He is the one. He is the. Sit back down. Sit back down. Charles Finney said this. Charles Finney was a revivalist and uh, he promoted many social reforms such as anti-slavery, equal education for women and African-Americans. From 1835, he taught at Oberlin College of Ohio, which accepted students without regard to race or sex. He served as a second president from 1851 and 1865 and was a key role in the activists for abolition of slavery. He said this, the church must take right ground in regard to politics. Politics are a part of a religion in such a country as this, and Christians must do their duty to the country as part of their duty to God. God will bless or curse this nation according to the course Christians take in politics. This is in 1865, or sorry, 1835. If our biblical views are not influencing our politics, then we should not be shocked when the political world is void of biblical values. How come our politics don't have any biblical values? That's because our biblical, value, biblical values are not influencing our politics. We have to be more biblically passionate than we are politically passionate. Too many times in the church, people are getting all worked up about their political alliance. And I'm telling you, we have to have a biblical alliance. We have to have a biblical foundation of truth. And when we bring that biblical foundation of truth, we will begin to shape our politics through the lens of the word instead of shaping the word through the lens of our politics. Our allegiance in politics, our allegiance is not to a donkey or an elephant. Our allegiance is to a lamb. 
the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. That's who our allegiance is to. Be careful, be careful who you give your allegiance to. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 2, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. We have to defend the religious liberty in America. When I say religious liberty, hear, hear me, hear me. When I say defend liber religious liberty, I'm not saying defend Christianity. Defend religious liberty. I want all religions to have freedom. Don't you want everybody to be Christian? Yes, but not by law. I'm not looking for a law that says everyone has to serve Jesus Christ. God didn't make that law, so why would I want to make that law? God's not wanting anybody to serve him out of legal, legal obligation. He says, I want you to serve me out of purity of heart. I want you to be able to choose whosoever. And I want you to set before you good and evil, blessing and cursing. And I say, choose whichever you want to do. If Baal be God, serve Baal. But if I am God, then you serve me with all of your heart. I want people to have a choice. I want people to be able to spit on Christianity, curse Christianity. I want them to be able to, to say bad things about Christianity. I want them to have the freedom to do whatever they want because I want them to understand there is freedom in Christ. I want to have that same freedom to be able to declare my beliefs. The Bill of Rights in the First Amendment of the United States says this, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of social media. I added that one. Or the right of the people of the people to peaceably assemble. I, I want people to be able to protest. I want to be able to protest. I love it. I want people to do it. I get, I get people get fired at me. I, I, I want people to be free to kneel if they want to. In, it doesn't matter to me. I love a free country. I love a country. But I want a freedom to be able to worship my Jesus when I want to worship him. So you have freedom to do whatever you want, but we will peaceably gather. We will peaceably gather. We will peaceably get together and we will worship. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. We got shut down once. It won't, won't, won't happen again. Not, 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 not on my watch. Not on my watch. Jesus. Jesus. But listen, listen. This is because this is the rights of every person. Whether you love Jesus, serve Jesus or not, it doesn't matter. I want you to be able to be free to go and, and serve God in, in your temple, your synagogue, wherever it is. I want you to be free to be a Satan worshiper. If you want to be a Satan worshiper, I'm not intimidated by freedom. I am empowered by freedom. Sometimes we, whew, I got to stand up for this. I, sometimes we think that the, that the God of this world is only going to bring influence in this world if he controls this world. But we underestimate the power of the love of God. God does not operate by control. Man does. Man wants to control people. Man thinks behavior has to be controlled to be formalized, but God believes in love. He believes in faith. He believes in power so much that he says, I'll let you do whatever I want, whatever you want, but I believe if you get around me, if you just get touched close to me and I touch you, my love will bring you to me. The goodness of the Lord brings someone to repentance. The goodness of the Lord says, I want to lay aside a sinful life and I want to choose Jesus. The goodness of the Lord. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. You just take a nibble of me and you'll never walk in sin again. Jesus. But he said, see, this First Amendment is, in, is, is for us. I want to I give some history lesson real quickly, if it's okay. Some people use, said the First Amendment said 
that there was separation of church and state. And that was not the intent of the founding fathers. That was not the intent of the, of the writing of the Bill of Rights. They said that this, what this said was that the church should not be involved in state issues or civic issues or political issues. But here's what the First Amendment said regarding the establishment of a religion. The first version that was introduced on September 3rd, 1789, this is what it said. This is what it was going to be worded as. Congress shall not make any law establishing any religious denomination. That was the first thing that was put on the table. They're saying, listen, we're going to put this out there, the, the, the purpose and why we want to put this amendment in there. Number two, the second version, they adopt or adjusted a little bit. They said, Congress shall make no law establishing any particular denomination. The third version, they massaged it a little more. They said, Congress shall make no law establishing any particular denomination in preference to another. In other words, Congress cannot make any law saying we're all going to be Baptists. We're all, we're all going to be Catholic. We're all going to be Anglican. That's what they came from in Great Britain. And they said, in this new country, there is not going to be one denom denomination that is called a national church. There's freedom for all. So the final version that passed on that day, September 3rd, 1789, says this, Congress shall make no law establishing religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So from the very beginning, the intent was never to remove church out of government. The, the idea was to keep government out of the church. Government, keep out of the church. Don't keep church out of government. Church, you be involved in government. You be, be involved in policies. See, it was based on two clauses. The First Amendment was based on two clauses. Number one was the Establishment Clause. Prohibited the federal government from establishing a single national denomination. Number two, the Free Exercise Clause, which prohibited the federal government from interfering with the people's public religious expressions and acknowledgments. In other words, the government cannot stop the church, can't censor the church. What, what information is being censored on social media right now? Christian viewpoints. Christian viewpoints. How come hate speech is defined by speaking against one set of beliefs, but it's not if you speak against a different set of beliefs? It's only one-sided. There's hypocrisy in it. There is freedom of speech. Freedom of speech. So now we got to defend those. We got to defend these liberties. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to close with this. 2 Peter chapter 2. Are you with me so far? Online, Mount Carmel, you with me? Huh? Yeah, yeah. Come on, Mount Carmel. I love you guys. E. Rhodes family, 2 Peter chapter 2. Look at verse 18. We got to defend the liberty that's made, been made available to us. Look at what it says in verse 18. It says, for when they speak great swelling words of emptiness, they allure through the lusts of the flesh. In other words, through the desires, through lewdness. So they begin to speak great swelling words of emptiness. In other words, be careful. This in context, Peter's teaching against false teachers. In other words, be careful what you hear. Be careful what people tell you. Be careful what people promise you because they'll give great swelling words of emptiness and allure you with what we promise you and we will do for you and we will make available for you and we will take care of all of your needs. We will take care of you. Just trust us. The ones who have actually escaped from those who live in error, verse 19, while they promise them liberty, 
They themselves are slaves of corruption. For by whom a person is overcome, by him also he is brought into bondage. Here's something that's very important for us to understand. Any promise of liberty outside the lordship of Jesus is deception. Any offer of liberty outside of the lordship of Jesus is deception. It is just the offer of control under a different ruler. People tell you under this uh, under this uh, under this leadership, you're in bondage. Trust me, we will set you free. We will give you liberty. If that one that promises you liberty is not under the lordship of Jesus Christ, they do not have liberty to offer you. Liberty is only attached to Jesus. It's not attached to a different party. It's only attached to him. So if I promise you liberty, but I do not recognize Jesus as Lord, then I really don't have liberty to give you. I'm just offering you control under my leadership. We've got to defend our liberty. Look what it says. They, they promise liberty, but they themselves are slaves of corruption. Slaves of corruption. That corruption just means moral perversion, depravity, or wickedness. We've got to defend our liberties and we've got to defend it spiritually versus naturally. Let me give you this. Ownership in the spirit is based on spiritual revelation and not on natural observation. When we defend something spiritually, here's how we know we have it. We have to get revelation in our heart that it belongs to us even if we don't see it with our eyes. Ownership in the kingdom of God is not based on what you see. It's based on what's been revealed. I'm breaking this down for you. In other words, we defend. If I realize that Jesus died to give me peace, and he says in his word, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled and don't let it be afraid. Then peace is your home. Anxiety is your trespasser. Anxiety is not your home, and you're trying to get peace to move in. Come on, let me help you. Joy is my home. Anger, unforgiveness, bitterness is the trespasser trying to get me to move out. Defend your liberty. Stand fast and say the peace of God rules my heart and mind. Coronavirus anxiety, get out in Jesus' name. You don't belong here. I walk in peace. Let the peace of God, put the peace of God on my shoes every day. That's why I put on the armor of God every day and I take, I put the belt of truth on. I walk in truth and I say, God, I walk in your truth. I want to receive the truth about you, the truth about myself, and the truth about others. Lord, I thank you. I put on the breastplate of righteousness that you who knew no sin became sin so that I could become the righteousness of God in you. Lord, I put on my feet the, the gospel of peace so I walk every step. I walk in the peace of God that rules my heart. 
might. I take up the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one because fiery darts are going to come. But I take the shield of faith and I quench them because no weapon formed against me will prosper. I put on the helmet of salvation that my mind is renewed in Christ, that I war not in the flesh but according to the Spirit, and I take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. And I pull out the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I thank you, Lord, that your Word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Why do I do that? Why do I do that? Because I know the moment that I step out of my prayer time, I've got to defend my liberty. Because there's somebody coming to rob me of what Jesus died to give me. And I've got to remember my home. I've got to remember to stand fast. God's telling you, he's telling me, defend freedom. It's a progression. You may not be experiencing liberty in every part of your life. Neither am I. But I'm going to keep progressing. Keep applying what's been made available. It's available. We just have to apply it. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.